1, 2, 3, 4. This is a dope jam. Well, let's define the term dope. And it means funky right now. That's a little public enemy. Hello. Hello. Uh, it's me. We're doing it. Thank you for tuning in. I got my purple socks on. I got some herb out. I got some French press. We're gonna do this. We're gonna smoke some cest. We're gonna get loose. We're gonna bust loose. I'm talking Chuck Brown, I'm talking Get Down. We're talking DC, we're talking Brooklyn, we're talking one hitters, we're talking cannabis coffee hour with your host. Uh, Rob Cantrell. Hello, everybody. It's the cannabis coffee hour uh, with me, Rob Cantrell, your host comedian, etc., extraordinaire, uh, flying through the air. One more time for your mind. Uh, I'm so glad to be back. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be here with you. We're in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, somebody's banging on the wall next door, so I think somebody's hanging like 29 paintings because <laughs> these motherfuckers won't stop tapping but i don't think they'll be picked up on the mics the birds are chirping outside i got this little window i got a fern i'm checking out i got my one hitter i got some nicely grinded cannabis once again we're going back to the sour diesel uh, i'm using my one hitter again today i promise we're gonna go you know we're gonna you know, this thing's all evolving. But the one thing, I almost didn't do a podcast today. I almost skipped a week. But then there was a part of me that, like, man, you got to keep doing it. That's a part of the game, you know? You'll find your flow. You'll find your audience. You'll find, you know, the people that dig coffee. <laughs> I got some great coffee. I'm on my second French press. I just killed that first one like it's no joke. Because I do have some good herb today, but I did I did hit the resin pretty hard last night, man. I ran out of weed, man. That's the thing about this podcast. I need and I'm on the East Coast. So it's hard if you're in New York, it's hard to, you know, capitalize on getting weed all the time, every time. And you're always running and gunning. This town isn't a weed town, you know? This town is a uh cocaine and alcohol town classically uh because people are running and gunning all day man they ain't got time to sit around and look at the uh clouds but they should but they do love cannabis everybody loves cannabis cannabis everywhere there's kind of hardship i don't think everybody should smoke weed uh but i do think certain people should smoke weed or it helps them and i do think i'm one of those people that it has helped me immensely throughout my life and career. But then I always wonder if it's holding me back. But 
But at the same time, I think it's a blessing. It's really, you know, I'm a, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, man, I'm a stand-up comedian that loves herb, but I never wanted to be one of those super weeded out comics. Like, I don't want my whole material on stage to be about weed. I think it's a condiment, man. It's on the side, you know? It's a, it's a part of the gig, at least for me. But I got a nicely grounded uh, sour diesel. I got my classic cigarette one hitter, um, which you know comes in handy. And then today I am drinking Trader Joe's coffee. Oh, the last of the beans. My wife picked up some great Trader. She was at Trader Joe's. I, I guess Trader Joe's has great coffee beans that you can get like a pound for like five dollars. But this is. Dark roast, rich and flavorable, 100% whole bean coffee, 16 ounces, which is a pound. Uh, the perfect cup. Um, let's see what this is all about. Trader Joe's Joe Brew is a good, satisfying cup of dark roasted coffee. No frills, nothing fancy, just good dark coffee at a great price. I agree. I agree. Created an excellent blend of premium Arabatic beans. I know I'm pronouncing that shit wrong. From Ethiopia and Brazil. We like that. Ethiopia trips me out. That whole Ethiopian uh, Jamaican connection. I did some, I went on a deep Google search on that. Maybe I should go into that again. But uh, I, I, I don't like the internet, and I do think the internet is, makes you dumb. Oh, that is a good cup. I got a perfect cup, man. I got it down to a science. I really do when it comes to coffee. I mean, this is a good cup of coffee. Actually, I went to this one place. I went to two different places looking for Puerto Rican bean coffee because that's what was fascinating about last week's episode that we hit the Google machine. I was like, what are the two places in America that you can grow coffee? The thing about coffee, it's all from these other, you know, you know, kind of, you know, poverty-stricken countries. Why don't we have our own coffee? And what we learned last week uh, was the two places in America. And I, th I found this fascinating, and I've been thinking about it, and I've been dropping it on people, too, and blowing their mind. But the two places in America that has coffee beans are... Hawaii and Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico! Oh! Uh, that's, I, I don't know if I've explained that, but that's from an, I don't know what that's from, but old hip-hop 90 stations used to play this, like, one little, it was like foghorns, and it was just like, sometimes, sometimes like, reggae has this, and hip-hop has this, is like, certain grooves just get transcended as, like, Oh, this is a funky-ass break. And then you hear it sampled through generations of songs. It's wild to see how that evolves. Like, you know, the classic breakbeat of a lot of hip-hop was Billy Squire. All that Run DMC shit. Like, here we go. And, like, all that was big beat. Um, they would get the... It's called big beat. And uh, the drummer uh, of Billy Squire, uh, they would scratch this one part uh that was just the it was the drums were recorded clean and big and funky um and that was like 
and that that groove went over everywhere. But then there's the funky drummer drummer. The funky drummer is from um, James Brown, and the funky drummer riff was literally like on every fucking hip hop record throughout the '90s, and it's just like this <clears throat> ten-second clip from a called the funky drummer on a James Brown. I think it's James Brown and the JBs. If I if you want to get exact, um, but that groove is everywhere. Like that groove was the same groove. Like I think it's like thinking of a master plan. Ain't got nothing but sweat inside my hand. So I dig into my pocket, all my money spent, and I dig deeper and still coming up for rent. That's uh, Eric B. It was just like classic funky drummer riff. And what was that? Same person had the same, that, like that, th that drum riff is the same riff that's I think is on the Sublime, What I Got. It's just that classic, it's just a, it's a classic loop that just sounds just right. I went on... After hitting some big time resin last night, I went on some deep searches, not deep searches, but the two videos uh, on YouTube that have been blowing my mind, and I don't know why, but I'll tell you, I'm gonna hip you to some shit. Uh, it's this uh, drummers talking about Ringo Starr. Yeah, man, world's greatest, Google this shit, man. World's greatest drummers, uh, salute Ringo Starr, and it has Dave Grohl, Questlove, and they sit at the sea of Trey Cool from Green Day. They sit at the same original kit, that drum kit, that, uh, that my man, um, Ringo Starr, the drummer for the band, The Beatles, would sit at. And, and they were just breaking down, like, he literally defined a lot of the rock and roll drumming from the 60s on. Like some of his things are just, like some of his beats and how he would swing and how he would kick a beat were, you know, used, you know, throughout rock and roll from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s to today. It's just like basic, like A plus B equals C type of shit or one plus one equals two type of shit. I don't know if A plus B equals C. <laughs> I just took a hit of this diesel and I got a little giddy and I'm wearing purple socks. But I don't drum. I, I wish I, I, that was the first thing I wanted was a drum kit actually when I was young. But I was forced to play the violin. I played the violin. I wasn't forced. My older brother and older sister played the violin. And then when I started, when my parents started paying for it, well, actually I got free lessons at first. But what the, the, I was, I had to go to violin practice, no, lessons once a week and practice every night. Um, like I, since preschool, I did that all the way. I was, you know, I could play pretty good, but I, I didn't like it. And it just kind of like washed right over me. And it started to become the lessons where I, we had to go to violin lessons on Saturday morning. I remember this. And when I was in the first, second kindergarten in DC, we had to go, growing up in DC, on Saturday morning, I had to go to violin practice. I remember that. My dad wouldn't let me watch cartoons and I would get so fucking pissed. I wanted to watch Thundar the Barbarian. If 
you don't know about Thundar, Thundar was before He-Man. If you want to get deep on some animation, I could go there with you cats. Thundar was cooler than He-Man. Had more air edge. Area, Ookla. Let's ride. Um, yeah, I fucks with uh, Thundar the Barbarian. And uh, and I definitely fucks with Ringo Starr. And I've been getting, the Beatles are just heavy, man. I, you go back and forth like, I don't know about them, or the Rolling Stones are cooler. Now, as, as musicians, these guys, like every one of them was like a superstar. And then their harmony, I keep on saying harmony. There's like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young, yo. Um, harmony, when people harmonize, that's a powerful magical thing in music in life in a lot of power is harmony a lot of like even in showbiz or pushing a project through in whatever you're doing is learning how to work with a group of people and push something towards an ultimate goal um and that brings me back to these coffee beans and about the last episode when I discovered, I didn't know that, I was completely ignorant. We hit it in the Google machine. What are the two places in America? I am a pro-American dude, man. Uh, but I am also, you know, down to hang out in other countries and I think the borders should be all open and everybody. But I do think it's, it, there's something important about the America and the American dream and bringing people from all different cultures uh, here, the land of the free, the home of the brave. But, you know, I don't want to get too political and I don't want to be some weird American site. But no, I, but I find it fascinating about American art. And one thing that finds me, I find fascinating is, uh, when I, just to go loop back to the Beatles, I mean, the Beatles wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for American rock and roll. And that's just the stone cold fucking truth. If it wasn't for fucking Chuck Berry, whether he was a pervert or not, uh, if it wasn't for Chuck Berry, if it wasn't for American rock and roll, you know, people say it was Chuck Berry. Me, I think it's Bo Diddley. I'm a, I'm a big Bo Diddley fan. Um, and he was doing comedy and music at the same time, and the beat was funky, and it was forward motion. I just love that Bo Diddley riff. Um, but the Beatles and the Rolling Stone wouldn't be anywhere. Even Led Zeppelin, like, you don't get that without American rock and roll, and you don't get that about, and you have to respect the African-American and the struggle and the historic art that, you know, comes from that. And that comes... You know, you don't get the Beatles without Chuck Berry or Little Richard. It all comes back to Little Richard, uh, some of those early guys, and Jerry Lee Lewis, <laughs> the Southern redneck himself. Like, I've always said, like, American rednecks, and I can say that because, you know, yeah, my family, I, I got enough redneck in me. But I don't know, maybe I can't. I don't But what I'm trying to say is, there is great music in the South. The, uh, New York birthed hip hop, but the South, man, ch the South changed hip hop, and probably for the good, because, not for the good, but I don't know, but it just opened the door. You gotta think out of the box, and you gotta grow. 
but there is something about that <laughs> New York hip hop, man, that is really good. But I was just trying to think about like the leap from New York 80s, 90s hip hop to Outkast and Southern and also California. And you can't dis, Dr. Dre is one of the best beat makers of all time. I mean, California, you knows how to party. Like that song, that banging ass beat, that just arrangement of just vibes is ridiculous. Um, so all I'm going to say, yeah, you, America is important to art. Let's put it that way. Let's put it that way. And by saying that, I found it fascinating that <clears throat> last week on the Google machine, I need a big hit of seltzer. This, this think about that dark roast. I'm not, you know me, I'm a medium roast, but the dark roast, that stuff bores into your soul, man. That stuff is hardcore, but I do love it. Um, but I got to even it out with some, some seltzy seltz, some seltzer with the seltz. But, uh, um, yeah, we were talking about music and art in the last episode of the Cannabis Coffee Hour when we talked about coffee. And what I learned, and it was from complete random and improv, we went into the Google machine and we Googled, what places in America can produce coffee? And what we learned was Puerto Rico and Hawaii. Because the thing about coffee is coffee beans is it has to be somewhere hot, tropical, and um, it has to be a certain temperature, but it also has to have a certain elevation for it to get that taste and that good. It has to be in the mountains. It has to be the best. I'm surprised Northern California doesn't have coffee, but I don't think it gets hot enough, you know? You gotta be hot in water, because Jamaica has bomb-ass coffee. If you want, get 100% Blue Mountain coffee. Oh, and Brazil's got bomb-ass coffee. Ecuador has bomb-ass coffee. What was Sumatra, Indonesia, those places. That, those guys are right next to the uh, equator. People near the equator got them coffee beans. But uh, America has Puerto Rico and Hawaii, and I've never been to either of those places that I want to go so bad. And you don't need a passport, yo. You could just go over there with your fucking driver's license, yo. Man, Puerto Rico, yeah, I've heard great things about recon. Like, there's a great surfing spot in Puerto Rico. Maybe I'll move to Puerto fucking Rico, man. But they got, um, I think my friend lives there. Damn. Um, I need to go over to Puerto Rico, but they got a great bomb ass surfing spot and they got coffee beans. I've never, I don't know if I've had Puerto Rican coffee and I was looking for it. Um, but then Hawaii, Hawaii's also awesome and I've never been there either. But I will say my best joint I've ever had was grown from Hawaiian marijuana. Like, I don't know, I think I've told this story before, but this is the, the best joint I've ever had. And I was working at the Green Tortoise Hostel in San Francisco. This would be 2001. And I, was, I would work the late night shift. The Green Tortoise Hostel was a bus touring service, hippie bus, and it was a hostel. And I think it's still there. 
There's one in Seattle, and but they, they stop like in Portland. They stop, they go up and down north. It's like this hippie bus. It's actually kind of brilliant. I need to re-look re at the green tortoise because I lived there for over a year. Because they had this bomb-ass hostel in uh, North Beach, which is this, which was right next to the Punchline Comedy Club, and uh, which is closing, or they lost their lease. This comedy club has been there for over 40 years, so that just, before I get, <clears throat> I'm going all over the map, but we'll, I'll, I'll track it all back, believe you me. I love doing this podcast. It's, it is getting easier and easier. I'm glad we're doing it. But uh, Puerto Rico and Hawaii are the two places that we have coffee. Now, coffee is taking over over alcohol. That's what I see. And I think cannabis, coffee, psychedelics, that is kind of taking over the market of cigarettes and alcohol and anger and violence. Now, the Puerto Rican beans, like, they must have some good coffee. But I would say, like, if you wanted to, America's in a big trouble with making money and the economy and all that. But if you wanted to make, and Puerto Rico just got beat up by the, you know, by a terrible, 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 you know, devastating tragedy of the storm and, and the hurricane. Um, and, uh, that's the way we could make money in America. We could say, yo, you can't mess with any other beans except for American beans, coffee beans. We're talking American coffee beans or, you know, and that dude, that Starbucks dude. Won All right. Back, right back at you. Uh, I got a phone call. I had to take it. It was a uh, family, personal stuff. Um, but all was back, back, oh, what were we talking about? We were talking about cannabis and, uh, coffee beans and, uh, the U.S. making money off of, uh, cannabis and coffee. That's what they should do, man. That's what they should do. They should legalize, legalizing cannabis and, and it, it feels like it's going that way, especially with that vote for legalizing sorry about the burp guys the seltzer got to me uh but they just legalized mushrooms in colorado how crazy is that well they uh decriminalized it but decriminalizing mushrooms in Colorado is pretty much saying this shit's legal, man, because that shit's everywhere out there anyway. Colorado, I don't, I've spent not a ton of time, not enough time in Colorado, I'll say that. But the times that I have spent in Colorado have been big and epic as the Rocky Mountains themselves. Um, I think... Man, I think I was there for the very first legal cannabis cup. It was me. I did a gig there. They flew me out there. Hi, no, this bong company, uh, the Incredible, this bowl, it was kind of like this. They still have it. It's a huge thing in the cannabis world. Um, it's a pipe 
that's like a steam hitter with a spring action on it. But they were kind of pre-legalization. They, and then those guys um, would advertise with high times at these cannabis cups. Um, that's what a lot of the cannabis cups are for high times, are advertising companies within the cannabis in industry is all the different products. It's pretty much just like, yo, this is, these are the products, here's the new grinders, here's the new dab equipment, here's the new everything. Uh, it's pretty much all the products. It's just, it's, it's a trade show with some concerts, and it's actually really dope to go check them out. If you haven't been to a cannabis cup, you definitely should check it out. I mean, if you're a superhead, you're definitely going to love it. And sometimes the music acts are awesome because usually, I mean, I don't want to blow up any And it When I was working for them, um, when I was writing articles, I wrote a, a couple of big articles, not big, but big for me. I wrote an article for South by Southwest for the cannabis, that they did a show, not the Cannabis Cup, it was another one. I was just looking through my, because I heard the punchline was closed, and I was looking at old clips in my scrapbook. I need to start documenting this stuff. If you want to check out, I've been documenting, I just documented, I put up on Instagram, I hope they don't take it fucking down, but it's this old, uh, it's 10 years ago, I wrote, I pitched a, for, they had a web series, but it was an on-demand television show, actually, and they had a young filmmaker that, they were working with and Sal the stockbroker from the Howard Stern show were putting together this show called Show in the Hallway and they had huge stars on it like Donnell Rollins was on it he was at, he was like a security guard it was actually really cool and the one episode I saw had Colin Quinn opening the show and then it went to and the idea I pitched was one of the guys at the Stern show look like they uh, won the lottery and then they go on and uh, and uh, and they uh, oh they fake like a lottery win like Sal flips the tickets and makes one of the Scott the engineer think that he has a million dollars and he goes and tells the whole office off the whole Stern staff off and it's actually like it has Robin Artie and Howard Stern in this clip and I wrote the idea, pretty much, they wrote the scene out, and the guy pretty much improvised it all, but it was my idea to shoot it, and my idea to work with it, and they, they didn't pay me a lot of money, but they paid me a good amount of money, they paid for my ideas, that was, that will be a creative tip, I'll tell you, so they paid, Sal the Stockbroker used to have a show at Caroline's Comedy Club, and he used to, when I first got to New York, uh, the comedy seller wouldn't fuck with me. Like a couple bunch of clubs wouldn't fuck with me. I didn't have a like I had an agent. I went through some turmoil. Uh, I dropped my agent in L.A. and I moved to New York and I was trying to get spots. But the one guy that would hook me up with spots all the time was Sal, the stockbroker at Caroline's. That he had a show from the Stern Show, but he had a stand-up show and Shuli would do it. A bunch of comics that I know that are connected with with the Stern Show. Bob Levy, I had to follow Bob Levy, the Reverend Bob Levy. Uh, I, yeah, I, but it was a wild show. And, uh, but he asked for some ideas for this web series. And I wrote down 10 ideas. And I'll just tell you this about creativity. I mean, it was the first time I had like a real writing assignment like that. And I came up with 10 ideas 
And the first three were so eccentric and I would sweat and bleed. And I do, I'm a good writer. I've written some great jokes. I've written great shows. In high school, my English teacher loved me. Uh, I excelled at creative writing. I was an English major in college, but I wasn't a creative writing major. I was, yeah, I was, a, I think it was, yeah, a women's history. Uh, yeah, I, I had some weird offshoot of English. I forget what it is. I need to look at my degree, but it's in English. I got a BA in English, but it didn't have an emphasis in creative writing. It had something else. Um, But I know I was a good writer. I'll tell you this about creativity: is uh, like you uh, <clears throat> you write ten ideas down, and I remember I, I thought the first three were so genius, and I worked so hard on it, and it was literally the last thing I wrote. Like do this, da da da, and uh, I said the lotto idea, and uh, which is a really basic idea that's always been out there in sitcoms, but they loved it. But it was, you know, it's kind of revisited and re-looked at, and, uh, and it was good for their set of characters, pretty much. Um, and it would be good for a web series episode. And Howard Stern being so powerful that he is, like he literally like yells at Howard Stern to sit on his dick. Like, it's a funny scene. You should check it out. It's on my Instagram. I don't know, they might flag it, but it's like an old on-demand reel that I have. Uh, and it's only like a few seconds of it. Um, but it's, uh, my Instagram is at Rob88Cantrell. Uh, and you can check that out. Uh, so yeah, I would think, yeah, coffee and legalized weed and, and I don't know where I was going with all that stuff. <laughs> no, but I just thought that maybe if we imported, um, coffee beans from Puerto Rico, and that dude from Starbucks would know how to figure out all that. But I don't know why they don't do it. But what I heard, somebody told me was like, they don't, uh, I don't think Puerto Rico has a lot of coffee. But maybe that's something somebody could invest in. But I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I got, I'm looking at this uh, Beastie, I looked at the Beastie Boy book. So somebody gifted me the Beastie Boy book. Uh, and uh, I've been reading, I've been getting into it. It's good to pick up. Um, but at the same time, like I said, like the Beastie Boys and like Led Zeppelin, like all those bands, there's like three or four bands that I just listened to so much and know so much about. Like, but it is, this book is really good. It's amazing. I just have this other book all on Paul's Boutique. That's how hardcore of a head I am. Um, before this book, there's this book, 33 and a Half, which is a, like a music, like detailed uh, pamphlet on every sample and everything that's inside Paul's Boutique. And I have that book. Uh, I also have Hip Hop Raised Me, which is a photography book. Um, and then I got this new one, uh, Contact High, which I think is this like New York female... Um, photographer that was around a lot of like I just opened up Gangstar daily oh man this thing's fucking sick now Gangstar he was a dope rapper man Dwick 
That song's amazing. And he was actually from Boston. He just had a really cool flow and voice. And he wasn't cheesy, you know? He wasn't completely, f you know, fake. Um, he wasn't just <clears throat> playing the role. He just enjoyed flowing and going. And he was out of, you know, out of the box different. Wow. This is a great fucking book. Contact High. The Visual History of Hip Hop. Vicky Tobak. Wow. This shit's fucking sick. Um, yeah, I'm getting lost in this book. Like, just the opening. Frosty Freeze, Rocksteady Crew, New York City, 1981. Oh, wow, this is right up my alley, right? <laughs> As hip-hop started to gain media attention beyond its local beginnings, a few photographers became known for documenting the culture. Martha Cooper, then a staff photographer at the New York Post, deemed it important to to point her camera at the burgeoning scene and its characters. Wayne Frosty Freeze Frost was one such character. In one of the er earliest media stories on hip-hop culture, this image graced the cover of the Village Voice in an article titled, Physical Graffiti, Breaking is Hard to Do. Wow! Exposing New York and later world of b-boying. B-boying. So he's just doing like a top rock in front of him for some graffiti. I think there's crazy legs. Um, yeah, this is the Rocksteady crew. This is the original hip-hop dance crew, man. This is it, man. Um, yeah, breakdancing is so fucking dope. I need to do that as my exercise, is just do some break dancing during the day. I've been rocking it. I've been zenning uh, out some. I also have some popping and locking on my Instagram, Rob at Rob88 Cantrell. I'm bummed. I'm, I'm learning. Uh, yeah, the 88 is for hip hop. There's no, there, I, I heard that that's a white supremacy number, and that bummed me out. And I was like, fuck that, man. I don't, I've debated taking it down. But everybody knows who I am. Not everybody knows who I am, but I know in my heart uh, I'm not a Nazi or white supremacist. Uh, but th there's just all these like I don't even want to even go into all there. I'm, my, my 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 this 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 everything's this uh, episode I was saying is getting a little too political. Let's go back to breakdancing. I need to breakdance every day, or at least like every other day. I would like a room that nobody would judge me, and I could just have some wood. And <laughs> pump some beats and do some break dancing with some seltzer and some weed and some cannabis. <laughs> How nice is that? Just for a minute, just for like 10 minutes, 10, 20 minutes. That's a good workout. Because I've been zenning out, I have been working out. And I feel the better for it, man. The last three days, I have stopped by the gym. And as you know, I just do, I just go to the elliptical. And now I got this, like, ski thing that I'm climbing. And, like, it's kind of like cross-country skiing with an elliptical format that's tilted at, like, a 90-degree angle. So you're kind of stepping up. But uh, I really like it. It's right in front of the 
screen at the gym. I found my machine. I found the one with the hand hut. I'm learning about my heart and uh, using the hand <coughs> joints on the elliptical, you know, and you got, you got it connected to the heart monitor. And I'm you want to be at my age, 114. <coughs> so you want I just try to do 22 minutes on this machine or one elliptical, just try to keep cardio. Just, you want to pump blood, you want to pump your blood through the heart to just get that shit moving and grooving and, you know, get it flowing and going. So I've been doing that. I stretched and I meditated today. Today. Um, I did all of that before. I, I was going to say 12, but I, got, I think I got it all done by one. Because um, it took me a long time to meditate, man. I will say social media fucks with you, man. But a part of my job is fucking with social media. But it's just like another thing that take your attention and your focus and your zen. I think zen is just getting more and more important now in our society as things fracture off in so many different directions. As they should. You know, it's all about evolving and growing and uh, I'm just checking out this gnome and this dog. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about, you know, the, the, having the life of a gnome and just being living in some cottage like built into a tree. And you have just like a dog. And then, you know, uh, and it's like right by a lake, like kind of mossy. And there's fucking psychedelic mushrooms. And uh, you can go fishing every day. Like, there's no cable. There's no technology. Like, you're just chilling out. And you're... Um, oh, yeah, you, you got a sauna. I've been thinking about saunas. I need to steam it up. Saunas are dope, man. I went to the sauna with my man Dan uh, when he was in town. Uh, yeah, uh, we... Uh, Chuck, we went to the sauna down in the Lower East Side. Dan Curry, um, who's a comedian and a writer for the Eric Andre show. And that's how, uh, and he used to do stand-up comedy. And he had a punch card and he had a free day down at this, like, steam place. And I went there. <coughs> and uh, we had a blast, man. We steamed it up. And, uh, but that thing whacked me out. Because I had a beer and I hadn't been drinking that much like I don't drink that much but I had a beer with him just to socialize I like to do that now and then and um but after the sauna I was so dehydrated that shit fucking fucked me up but it was still a lot of fun but uh it fucked me up that I <laughs> I, I forgot my gym shorts I forgot my swimsuit there and then when I went back they were ganked uh there it's kind of like this like I don't know really old bathhouse in the lower east side and it's kind of like a traditional I don't know, maybe is it Russian or I don't know. It was just a bathhouse, um, sauna. Mostly just, you know, just put on a robe and a bathing suit and you just go into a big ass steam room, a place. Pretty much a steam room is a wooden room with hot ass rocks that you drip water over, you know? That's a sauna. There's a sauna and then there's a steam room. I like them both. That sauna is hardcore, though, and that's just sweat. And that's like sweating without exercise. I don't know how good a sauna is. Maybe it's good for you, 
But I think a steam is a little bit more my speed, you know, with some eucalyptus. Uh, a steam room with eucalyptus living like a gnome with a big furry dog by a tree. God bless America. Um, I love drinking coffee. I love doing this podcast. I appreciate you listening uh, as I ramble on about my exercise routine and my coffee routine and my health routine. What else have I been getting into? Um, right now, I think I may be doing some shows with Tracy Morgan at... But I, I can't announce that yet. I don't know if that's positive yet. i got to wait on that. Um, but I do have a show coming up actually at a cool hotel in New York City next week. Um, it's a pretty hip gig. Let's see. This dude booked me on it. And I can tell you about it right now. I haven't posted it. But uh, it's a cool gig. It's a, it's a part of a basketball and one, I think is what the show is called. Oh, yeah, the Moxie Comedy Show. Come to this. If you're listening to this podcast and you're next, it is 5-16, May 16th, Thursday, 8 o'clock show. Look, just Google it up. I think the guy is legit, and the room should be pretty sweet um, and a good look. So if you want to check me out live, that's where I'm performing in New York next. But I also got some tour dates coming up. Um, at www.robcantrell.com and I got some bigger tour dates um, coming up and I will post them all there. I'll let you know. Uh, Mostly just working out new material here in New York. You can always check out my album uh, Pure Uncut Joy. If If you stumbled on this podcast just strictly as, oh, um, I like coffee. I like weed. Uh, why is this guy rambling about doing push-ups? You can ch- check out my album. I got a st- I'm a stand-up. I've been doing stand-up for almost 20 years now. I started in July of 1999 in San Francisco. Shout out to the Punchline Comedy Club, my home club where I started. Man, I do need to give them a shout out. Um, because I heard they're maybe losing their lease and they have to move the club or they may stay there. But I know Dave Chappelle's already signed on to do a big show there. So I don't know. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, I am going out there in July. And I almost booked a date with them, but it didn't work out. Um, I had a conflict. I had another thing. I had a, I had a family thing I had to do uh, while I'm out there. But... I love San Francisco and the Punchline Comedy Club. <clears throat> and I would love to get back there. And I am getting back there. So look out for those dates. I'm going to get back there. Um, doing shows in California in July. Uh, yeah, check out my YouTube. Oh, the new PMA. So I made the beat for the new PMA. I have a, If you don't know, I have a new short film series that is uh that i'm super proud of that everybody loves uh that that you got to check out but we have them on my instagram at rob 88 cantrell at rob 88 cantrell c-a-n-t-r-e-l-l but we got um 
or got a new PMA video and I made the beat for it and it's like this trap beat but I, I made it sounds fucking right on man uh, that trap sounds like this certain type of style loop and then you want a lot of risers and then like a creepy ass eerie beat like some slow ass shit. like I made it and it Maybe I'll play it on this and you guys can listen to it. Maybe we'll go out to this water track. But uh, peace, love. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you uh, next week. Peace. Drink, drink, drink the water.